on today's episode, I'm going to tell you absolutely everything you need to know, which may seem like quite a task, but I'm going to stick to my promise. Everything you need to know about private label selling, about selling liquidations, and about drop shipping on Amazon. All three topics, private label on Amazon, liquidations on Amazon, drop shipping on Amazon. If you are a new seller, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about those three topics. Hey, this is Jim. This is Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thanks for joining me for another great episode. We like doing these shorter episodes from time to time where there's no guest. It just gives me a chance to riff on a subject and then get you moving on with your day. Hopefully better informed, better equipped, ready to tackle the world of e-commerce with some great tips and strategies. And today I'm talking specifically to those who are new, meaning Maybe you're still investigating. You're still in research mode. You're still seeing what's out there. Maybe you've listened to a few other podcast episodes. You've seen the dozens of recent interviews of our successful students. You're looking at some YouTube videos. Who hasn't done that? You're investigating, right? You haven't made a lot of money yet, perhaps. This is for you. I'm going to share everything you need to know about private label liquidations and drop shipping on Amazon. Here's the short version. Don't. What are you talking about, Jim? Don't what? Don't do private label if you're new to selling on Amazon. Please, as a new seller, do not fall into that pit. We're going to talk about it. Don't do liquidations. None of us really should be selling liquidation product on Amazon. Some people do. Until you're very established and very experienced, it's a dead end. And even if you are very established and very experienced, if you talk to those who know what they're talking about, man, you could be really setting up yourself for a big fall at some point. I'll talk about that. Dropshipping. Who should be dropshipping on Amazon, Jim? No one who's new. At the point where you're selling $10,000, dollars $50,000 a month or more, maybe there's some opportunity there. But to start there, absolutely under no circumstances should you do that. Let's talk about these three topics and why I feel so strongly on them. I've talked about them before, but here's the deal. Here's what you need to know. You can listen to us. And when I say us, I'm talking about our team of nearly 100 content creators, coaches, administrators, the people on our team who have built incredible businesses, who've been doing this a long time, longer than anyone else in your circle of influence. We've been teaching e-commerce. 8,500 students have been through our coaching program, the oldest Amazon training course in the world, 12 years plus old. We've originated so many creative strategies from our community, all of them above board and teaching you how to do it the right way. We've been doing this a long time. Are we perfect? No, we've made a lot of big mistakes, but we adjust, we tweak, we head in the right direction and we make a lot of observations too. So who should you listen to? Some guy who's excited standing in front of a car that he probably doesn't own with some video ad that you saw about how exciting dropshipping is or how exciting private label or liquidations are? Or should you listen to bunches and bunches of people who've been doing it a while and listen to the sound advice that they have for you? If you choose to listen to us, I'm going to shoot straight with you. Only about 5% of the people that we see who start off on Amazon attempting to launch a new brand only 5% of them actually end up doing something that they're proud of that puts profit in the bank. The vast majority of people who start off trying to launch a brand on Amazon as one of their first endeavors 
and e-commerce fail miserably. This is why we don't teach new students private label strategies. You hear us say it all the time. We really try hard to talk you out of ordering a bunch of products from China and putting some label on it and trying to sell them on Amazon under some new listings and then doing private label and marketing and buying expensive tools and courses that supposedly teach you how to do these things. It's a dead end. We've seen it over and over and over and over again. The cliche story around here is people who call us and say a handful of things. We've heard everything I'm about to say at this point, probably without exaggeration, a thousand times, but hundreds of times at a minimum, we've heard people say these things. I wish I'd have found you guys sooner. We hear that so often. I've got a garage full or a storage bin full or a warehouse full or my friend's house who I asked to borrow some space from. It's full of product X. What's product X? Well, it's a product that was researched using expensive software that they heard about in a YouTube video after they bought an expensive course that they heard about in a YouTube video and listened to a guru who was talking about how exciting it is to launch a product on Amazon. And we're going to teach you our simple 48-step process to do just that. And you get to about step 46 and you still haven't sold anything and you get nervous and it's been a year-long journey and you've got a garage full of products that you just can't sell. We've heard that over and over and over again around here. So we hear that enough times and we, we started saying, you know what, this about several years ago, we started steering anyone who's new away from private label. And we haven't made many friends in the industry that way because there's a lot of people out there who would disagree with me on that, but I would challenge them on this. If there's someone out there who has a private label course, where is the podcast where all of your successful students are interviewed one after the other, after the other, after the other, several per week. That's what we've got here. You can jump into our Facebook group, 70,000 members, and see people posting organically all day, every day. Some of them bought our courses. Some of them didn't. Some of them figured it out on their own. That's great. We celebrate any way it goes. But the people who are posting their success stories as new sellers are not people who started off on the private label journey, launching a new brand. We've got content that will teach you those things, but it's aimed at more advanced sellers who have a track record and a history of stability on the other lower hanging fruit models where yes, there's more competition, but yes, there's also a lot more opportunity, a lot less risk and a much smaller learning curve. So you can be putting money in the bank while you learn the platform. That's what we do. This is me talking you out of private label. And if there's others who disagree with me, this is one of the reasons I don't have a whole lot of friends in the industry who teach private label strategies to new sellers because I call them out pretty hard, not by name, but just the strategy itself. We just don't see a lot of people sliding their credit card over to these guys, $4,000 to $6,000 course, several hundred dollars a month for the software, several hundred dollars more a month for whatever services and all this other. Now you're ordering a bunch of stuff from overseas and it takes forever to get here, you know, shopping on Alibaba from China, ordering units. Man, that's just not the way to go. We've seen so many disaster stories. Now, if you're okay throwing tens of thousands of dollars around and hoping it works out someday, cool. You might be one of those fortunate 5% and you could have a really cool story to tell. And you do hear those stories around and that's great. We're very happy. We celebrate those folks. But we've got a lot of people. We recorded a podcast episode here a few months ago where we call our community the burn victims unit <laughs> for those who have been severely burned by all of these supposed opportunities out there in the world of private label. 
don't do it. Instead, what should you do? Start with the proven Amazon course. Start with the replens model. No matter where you live in the world, we can get you rocking with that model. You've heard it on all the other podcast episodes. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm talking about what not to do today. I'm talking about everything you need to know about private label, liquidation, and drop shipping as a new seller. Now that I've hammered private label, I could, trust me, I could go a lot longer on that topic. I'm cutting myself off. Do your own research. Get in our Facebook group. You'll hear hundreds of people echoing what I'm saying right now based on experience. In many cases, tearful, sad, tragic experiences. And after a while, you hear that all day, every day from your students who've come from other communities saying the things I told you, they say, you start to grow a pretty, pretty thick skin when you're attacked by other people in the industry who, who have a different opinion than you because the, the numbers, the data, the facts, it all backs up what I'm saying. And they know this, they've got to. They don't have piles and piles of success stories the way we do with the way we approach it here. Okay, let's talk about liquidations. What's a liquidation? Well, you may have seen these businesses popping up all over the place. They're taking shelf pulls and returns. Many times it's from Amazon itself or it's other stores, big stores, big box stores. You can get into the network of people who are buying these things. And if you don't really, really, really know what you're doing and proceed with caution, you will very quickly get in way over your head with inventory that you can't move, stuff that you're not allowed to sell on Amazon. Because Amazon wants to see, you know, they can require and request to see at any point in time the possession history of that product so they know that it's legitimate. And if you're saying, yeah, I, I bought it out of a crate at a warehouse from Liquidations R Us, man, they, Amazon's not going to be happy. They're going to hold your feet to the fire because that violates their terms of service. They only want legitimate product that you can not just look at and go, yeah, it looks legit to me. No, a lot of times those warehouses and those closeouts, that's where people send stuff that was rejected by Amazon and you end up with it. And it looks legit, looks great until the brand owner files an IP complaint and suddenly you're defending yourself against accusations of selling goods that you know are, are using the wrong branding or trademark or counterfeit goods. And you are innocently enough just buying from sources that you trusted. You can get yourself into a lot of trouble. Don't do liquidations. Do not start there. That's not the low-hanging fruit opportunity that some people are telling you it is. It's just not. Now, once you're more experienced, possibly. I can tell you this, though. I'm pursued personally, me, very aggressively by many liquidators around the country who know we have a large audience. They would love to get your attention. They would love to advertise on the show. They would pay us money to run an ad spot on the show and we refuse it. It'd be irresponsible of us to allow them to advertise to you because of the tremendous risk you're taking on your account when you're buying random products on a pallet from liquidators and then selling them on Amazon. Now, if you want to sell them on eBay or sell them on other other places. We know people who are doing very well and helping some people do just that. We sell those through our own account, but we're not doing it on Amazon. And it's not the low-hanging fruit business model that some people would make you think that it is. There's a reason that there's a huge overabundance of overstock, liquidation, shelf pull, closeout. People don't know what to do with it. It's everywhere. There's a reason for that because it's hard to move. It's very difficult to move those random products. And Amazon is not the solution for that. They do not want that stuff on their site. They get very grumpy, very fast. Some people navigate it with success, but they are not new to the game. If you are new, do not 
attempt to go the liquidations route, you will regret your decision sooner, probably rather than later. Probably about the time when you start getting really confident and you make your first massive purchase is when you get suspended and you're stuck with all that inventory and Amazon holding all the money they owe you while they review your account. You don't want to be in that position. It's just not necessary to take that risk. Private label, liquidations. Finally, let's talk about drop shipping. This is another rant that I have. I make this rant frequently in our group. And it's an interesting dynamic. Just to put yourself in my shoes for a moment, our team, our leadership, our our moderators, right, who, who are in this Facebook group. We've got 70,000 people around the world, free Facebook group anyone can join, ask any questions they want. You got to imagine we get a lot of the same questions over and over and over and over. I could say the word over 800 times. You know, <laughs> There's probably a list of about 800 questions that we've heard and statements that we've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. But we love it. We want you coming in and asking those questions. We're not making fun of you. You're not going to get pushed back for asking those simple questions that you're curious about. But it's the same list of curiosities that everyone who came before you had. And it costs money, mind you. Time is money. It costs us time, effort, and energy to answer those questions. And we do our best to kind of systemize a lot of this. That's what this podcast is. That's why we encourage you to to make connections in the community. That's why we've got all the great free content and resources for you in our community. As you're making a decision, we want to answer these questions. But one of the questions we see so often, and you can almost see the groan in the eye roll, we'll never do it visually or you'll never hear us doing it. But as leaders, when someone comes in and they say, I'm going to start private label. Can you guys help me tell, read the the data that I'm looking at here? I want to launch a private label. Like, oh, goodness, please. (laughs) Or... I just bought a huge liquidation pallet of a bunch of different items. Can you guys help me list these on Amazon? It's like, oh man, you haven't been listening or paying attention. (laughs) Here, let's straighten you out. Let us help you. And then the one we see probably as often as anything is drop shipping. I want to start drop shipping. Well, what's the appeal of drop shipping? Initially, it looks great on a napkin, right? Like as a business plan, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to put any money into inventory. I'm just going to list a bunch of stuff for sale. And then when things start selling, I'll go grab it and send it to the customer. Beautiful. What could go wrong? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of things, not can go wrong, will go wrong. There's no such thing as a successful business at scale doing the dropship model if you are new and that's where you started. I've never met that person. I have met hundreds of people that had disaster stories. I have met many very competent, experienced professionals with large teams and software and databases and warehouses who do the dropshipping model at scale. And they hate it. I've met those people. <laughs> I actually interviewed one of them on the podcast a couple of years ago, moved away from it, laid off his entire team, got rid of his warehouse and actually started making money the way we teach you to do Amazon. He was paying a just huge system to crank through this massive list of dropship products. And he wasn't making any money. He had tweaked and tried this thing a hundred different ways, as frustrated as he could be. So dropshipping is one of those areas where even if you are experienced, I'm going to probably try to talk you out of it. If you're new, you certainly should be avoiding it. And when I say new, what do I mean? I mean, you've never had a Twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars sales month on Amazon, and you're thinking you're going to drop ship on Amazon? No, sir, not happening. Don't try it. When does drop shipping work? 
on a very, very limited basis, here's where I see it work. Let's say you've got a friend who makes widgets. It's a friend you know his kid's name and their birthday, and you've been to his house, and you weren't to high school together. You know this guy. It's someone you know, like, and trust, and they know, like, and trust you. And they've got a warehouse where they make Widget X. And they're not selling Widget X on Amazon, but they say, yeah, sure, you can sell it if you want. I mean, you know, they cost a lot of money. No need for you to buy them from us and then sell them. How about we just split the revenue and and you sell them? All right, cool. Well, I'll list some on Amazon then. But here, friend, you grab your friend by the shoulders and you say, look me in the eye. We need to make sure you understand what I'm saying here. This is a drop ship arrangement. The products are sitting in your warehouse. I absolutely must know if your inventory gets low. Don't leave me hanging. I cannot sell one of these units. And then you tell me you don't have any. You've got to give me as much heads up as possible. And if your friend says, well, I don't know if I can do that. You say, that's great. We're still friends. You're still invited to my kid's birthday party, but I'm not selling your product on Amazon because one thing that Amazon hates is when their customers get mad because you sold them something that doesn't exist. Amazon gets very grumpy very quickly when they get complaints from customers saying, yeah, I bought this product and the seller's telling me it doesn't exist. They don't have any. They're out of stock. Amazon does not put up with that. You will get suspended very quickly. Don't do it unless your friend looks you back in the eye and says, if I ever drop below 100 units, I will let you know. And you can come by anytime and see our inventory level. I'm actually going to show you the inventory level in real-time basis on this spreadsheet here that we can share. And you'll see exactly how many units I have. And I will give you a heads up. And It's only going to be for a handful of units that are very profitable. And we will ship them out fast for you. Happy customers. We both win. I'm not going to put your Amazon account at risk. That kind of dropshipping arrangement, yeah, I've seen it work. I've seen it work. But the kind where you think you're going to find dozens or hundreds of products and then just ship them as needed or someone else, worse yet, this is this is just ridiculous. People say, yeah, we'll set up a huge dropship store for you and then we'll dropship stuff from our warehouse onto your account. Oh my goodness. Seriously, please do not fall for that stuff. Doesn't work. It's a disaster. That's not what we teach here. Hang out in our community long enough, you're going to realize we're talking about a whole bunch of real people following a real business plan, which I'll give you a hint. If no one's told you this before, I'm sorry if I'm the first one who's told you this. You'll figure it out on your own eventually, or you can believe me now. There's no such thing as a business model that's just click, 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 easy, set it, forget it, done. Look, I'm making money now. Those don't exist. If you're looking for that, keep looking. We don't have it for you. Once you've wasted tens of thousands of dollars in frustration for the next, I don't know, three to five years until you realize that you've taken your lumps, then you can come back and decide if you want to put in the blood, sweat, tears to build a real business. The learning curve, there's things you're going to have to do. That's what we teach you to do around here. It takes a special kind of person who's willing to delay gratification, learn a few new things, always be learning new things, and work hard. Correct your mistakes. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to bump your head. We're there to help you. These are all mistakes that hundreds of other people have made. There's no new challenges here that we haven't seen at least dozens of times before, but it is work. And it's not a matter of just signing up on some website that says, hey, we'll build a dropship store for you. Just give us some money and you'll get checks every month as your stuff sells. Nope. Not going to happen. There's a reason they don't have a podcast featuring hundreds of recent interviews with their happy, successful students because they don't have them. (laughs) That's why. Feel free to ask them. 
Where can I go and hang out? This is a great question, by the way. I did an entire podcast episode on this a while back. The great question you should be asking when you're considering any business opportunity that's going to be taught by someone who is claiming an expertise at teaching you a business opportunity. I would even say if you're considering going to a college and they're going to teach you business, say, okay, where do the people who have been through your program, where do they hang out? The people who've been through your program and they're thrilled with your program. Where are they gathered? Everyone's gathered into groups. Seth Godin wrote a book called Tribes about 20 years ago, right? Maybe not quite that long, 15 maybe. Good book, really good book. Talking about how we're all kind of forming into tribes. One of the tribes that organically forms around any business opportunity that really works, a legitimate one, is a group of people who are doing it and helping each other and encouraging each other and correcting each other, bouncing ideas around. So just ask, hey, where is that group at? If they don't have that group, or if they say, well, we have that group, but it costs you $3,000 to get into Like, no, organically, these groups form. That's what the My Silent Team Facebook group is. There's no charge to get in there. It's people who have studied the systems that we teach. They appreciate the knowledge that we have as a community and they've gathered there and the success posts and encouragement is pinging in constantly. If the business opportunity you're considering doesn't have that, there's probably a reason that it doesn't. You're not going to be the exception to the rule. The last 500 people who have tried it, 95% of them failed. That's probably the track you're on. So ask that question when you're considering a business opportunity. Ask the question of the people who have the course, the content, the training. Where do all of your successful students hang out? Where are they? Where are all of your interviews with your successful students where you talk to them? Or can I meet these real people? When's your event where they all gather under the same roof and talk to each other and hang out? Where where can I see these things? If they don't have answers, they don't have great answers to those questions, be very cautious. We've got great answers silentgym.com is our answer to that question. See all of our podcast episodes there, the interviews with our students, very real people. Jump into our Facebook group. See all the people, see the posts, click on the topic link once you're in the Facebook group. See all the recent success posts people are posting in there. And we can't control what people post, but you can get in there and just see so many incredible stories with people who have no incentive or reason whatsoever to make up the stories that they're sharing of encouragement and the excitement that they're sharing. So come check it out, see it for yourself. Please don't just believe me. Do your homework. Don't just believe anybody. Do your homework. Check it out. Talk to others who have been on that same path for a while. Listen to their wisdom. So on the topic today, to sum up the point I'm making, if you are new to making money online, if you are new to selling on Amazon, here's everything you need to know about private label selling, about liquidations, and about dropshipping. Don't. Don't. One word. (laughs) Just say no, as Nancy Reagan might have said in the 80s. Just say no. Not going to do it. Can't do it. Don't do it, please. And the reason I emphasize this so much is because we see so many people falling into those pits before they find us. And then they say things like, man, I wish I'd have found you sooner. So if you know someone who's considering these things and they think you think they've got a better argument than I do for these things, please send them my way. I'd love to hear how they can push back on any of these arguments because my pile of evidence is bigger than theirs. I guarantee it. My pile of evidence is a list of names, real people from all over the world who have crashed and burned miserably trying those business models as new sellers, specifically on Amazon. Why Amazon? Well, it's the 
biggest e-commerce platform of opportunity available in the world right now for anybody. That's why. So don't do private label on Amazon. Don't do liquidations on Amazon. Don't do dropshipping on Amazon if you are new to making money and building a business on Amazon. That's everything you need to know about those three topics. God bless you, business building warrior. Hope you enjoyed hanging out with me today. Sorry if I beat you up a little bit. Hey, you know, if you're on the wrong path, one of the best things you can do is do a 180, turn around, cut your losses, and head back into something that does work. I believe that's what we got around here. The evidence is pretty strong. There's a whole lot of people doing it. We'd love to be able to help you out. Enjoy the free resources. Get on the right path. When you're ready to get serious, we'd love to have a chat with you. Get over to silentgym.com. See all that we have to offer you in that arena. We'll do another great episode with you again real soon. Thanks for hanging out. So thanks for hanging out with me today on today's episode. But before I let you go, I've got a special guest that we're bringing in once a week or so around here. You guys are saying you love these little segments I'm doing with Mr. Jeff Schick. He's my legal Amazon best go-to expert. And so many people in our community working with him now. He really helps put us at ease and help us handle those IP complaints and Amazon legal issues. It better than anyone in the industry from my vantage point, which is why we're bringing him on the show. And what have you got for us today, Jeff? So I have an interesting one. This is a, a very commonly asked question, and it's a very commonly people don't know the answer. It is what should a seller do when they get an IP complaint? And so Great because question. you know, the more you sell, the more the odds are going to happen. You're going to get an IP complaint. You know, it's not a matter of if, but when. And being having that plan in place is kind of like almost like you know coming up with your emergency plan so that you know well what are you going to do so that way you think about it now when you're not stressed so that when it happens you already know what steps you're going to take. Yeah, and, and I don't want to say that it's inevitable, but with the model that we teach, it probably is going to happen at some point, and everyone gets nervous when they see that first IP complaint. So, walk us through. Uh, first, maybe let's start here. How serious? is this or how serious could it be? What's my worst case scenario? And then let's talk about what do you do when you get it one? So worst case scenario is an interesting one because Amazon has a variety of different actions they can take depending on the type of claim. So the worst case scenario claim would probably, you know, in my book would be a seller having a, what's called a confirmed counterfeit. That's where a brand went onto your listing. They bought the product from you, the seller. They then looked at it, they maybe maliciously, and some, we've had it happen with a couple brands so far this year, where then they go to Amazon and they say, I want to make a complaint through brand registry and file counterfeit. And then it, Amazon has a question. It, this next question down is, did you buy this product? And if they check yes and supply an order number, now we've pushed it from the counterfeit without a test buy into the confirmed counterfeit category. And so in those cases, it can drop a seller's uh, account health rating down to zero and it can result in suspensions. So that's your worst case scenario. Typical, the most common IP complaints we see are counterfeit without a test buy. Those have about a four to 10 point impact on the account health rating. Amazon can, can double it in certain circumstances, so it could go up to 20 points. But either way, since you're starting at 200, even if you had 20 points taken off, that's not pushing you into the red zone because you still have, you know, dozens of more points to go before you get suspended. So it's, you know, certain something to be mindful of. I'm not saying, hey, just, you know, 
start selling anything and everything that gets IP claims. They don't matter because that's not that's not what I'm saying. But. That's not the message we want to send. Certainly, you do want to try to avoid them absolutely and 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 stay above board and, and you know keep good records and only buy from reputable sources. We did actually have one of those where we innocently enough bought a small handful of a product that did generate that counterfeit IP complaint as confirmed by a purchase. And we had no idea that it was a counterfeit, but they came back and showed us, hey, the packaging is actually completely different. And and we had bought it from, uh, it was like some kind of closeout. We used to do that. We don't do it anymore. This has been like five years ago. I don't ever buy anything from like closeouts, you know, discount bargain barns, you know, with bins of stuff. Like I don't sell that stuff on Amazon. Uh, maybe that'll be a good segment for us to do sometime. But it happened to me Absolutely. and we weren't suspended. We had to stop selling it and we had to create a plan of action and we were fine. Is that the case most of the time? So to answer your question, you know, when someone gets an IP claim, they don't often cause sellers to immediately get suspended. But left unaddressed and left, you know, where they continue getting more, definitely is it can cause suspensions to happen. Now, there's an interesting I was asked this question today by a client, they said, what is Amazon expecting in terms of me to address this violation? It says on here, your submission is required. The person on the phone told me I must address this as promptly as possible. What does that unacceptable timeline look like? And the answer to that is it depends. But it's typically not, it's somewhere between as fast as they want you to reply and as slow as you possibly can so that you figure out. And the reason for that, you know, is that you need to figure out the facts. And so a, p- a big part of what my team does is that we do fact fa- finding. So anyone that submits an IP claim, the first step before you know an attorney ever even touches the case is that we have one of our paralegals go through the case and look at all the facts. Because believe it or not, what sellers see and what we see can be two different things. And of course, what Amazon sees could also be door number three. <laughs> and so our goal is to make sure that we have all of our facts lined up in a row all of our documentation in order before we ever even start thinking about going to Amazon. Because the last thing we want to do is go to Amazon and say, you know, let's, you know, here's an interesting case I worked on recently. You know, let's say the product in question is Velcro. And we, you know, we have a private label listing that says Velcro on it because it has Velcro, it claims to have Velcro straps. And the Amazon account health rep would say, oh, just turn in your invoice from your manufacturer. Well, what if our manufacturer's in China and it doesn't talk about Velcro at all? It talks about hook and, hook and loop closure. Well, submitting that invoice to Amazon isn't going to clear up the IP claim because it's going to raise more red flags. Right. So, a big part of what my team does is we look at all the list, we look at all the facts of the case, we come up with a summary. That's when it then gets handed to myself and I start looking at the case and really, you know, coming up with the attack plan of how we're going to you know, how we're going to, you know, what's the diagnosis and what's the treatment plan. And then from there, we come up with, you know, the next steps on how to address the IP claim. So, you know, good for sellers as coming up with this, you know, this whole concept of IP claim emergency plan. Step one really is to get your documentation in order because you can't make any decisions if you don't know what you're dealing with. So, you know, let me repeat that because I think it's important. If you don't know what you're dealing with, you can't address the problem. It's so... First step is recollect all your receipts. You know, look at what you sold. You know, we have a I've had sellers where they're like, I swear it was a it was Nike, it was a Nike shirt, you know. And then we pull the receipts and it's champion. And that's a, you know, 
And Nike doesn't file IP claims. So, I mean, before people get freaked out thinking that Nike or Champion file IP claims because they don't, or have not, I should say, they haven't. You know, I'm not saying that they do, but, you know, it's a lot of times people will get hung up and they'll be like, it was a Nike listing, the PDP says Nike. And then we look at it and it's like, no, the PD, the product detail page or PDP says, you know, brand XYZ. So, really, we collect all the data up front figure out what kind of issue you have. And then now now you're able to then come up with next steps. Maybe that next step is that you decide that you're going to appeal it on your own. That's, you know, some sellers are, are confident doing that. Yeah, I certainly. would say, you know, one thing is if you get one rejection on your own, it might be time to think about looking for, for help because one, the way Amazon system works, they keep a record. And so every rejection gets stacked in there. And by the time... Yeah, I had one seller come to me recently. They had submitted 12 appeals. Uh, This was for an account suspension. They had submitted 12 appeals on their own before they sought professional help. And going into it, I told him, I'm like, I just, you know, I'm prefacing this case that this is going to be tough because when we submit your appeal that I write for you, this agent now has, you know, on monitor, on right monitor, they've got your appeal that I just wrote for you that they're looking at. And on the left monitor, they've got 18 red X's saying that you've been rejected with notes next to it, why it's been rejected. It's really hard on number 19 for them to push the button and then have to write an explanation why they're overturning 18 other people that they said no, that said no, that that said your account should stay deactivated. On that case, we did win. That person took the time, they read it, and they reinstated the account on the first appeal. That's so phenomenal. Works. Yeah, and that's the value of working with someone who knows what data and facts needs to be gathered and how to write that appeal. And you know, I, I don't want these segments to cause anyone's heart rate to go up or for anyone to lose any sleep. Quite the opposite. Once right. you've got a pro in your corner, the vast majority you of the time, these things all turn out okay. But you are going to see some of these. You know, we're, we're selling on someone else's platform and we're selling other brands that we don't own. There's going to be friction from time to time. but uh, Absolutely. Don't let that take away from the opportunity as long as you're dealing with the pro. So when you get an IP complaint, gather your information, gather your facts. And if you're not a client of Jeff's, maybe that's a good time to start thinking about hiring someone who knows what they're doing to help you manage this scenario. But any other, any other tips? I know this is a kind of a can of worms. IP complaints can go in so many different directions. Like how many different kinds of IP complaints are there? How do you categorize them? Well, so, okay. So let's think about it. There's... I like to categorize IP complaints by, and and this is just received IP. We're not even going to talk about suspected IP or product authenticity complaints. But just on received IP complaints alone, there's trademark category, there's copyright, and there's, there's patents. Those are the top three categories that we look at. Now, within trademark, there's subcategories. So there's trademarks on product, trademark on product detail page, counterfeit, counterfeit without a test buy, Parallel imports, which is actually a new one we should talk about, and because um, that just rolled out into the United States a couple weeks ago. And then there's uh, trade dress. Trade dress, no one ever talks about. No one really even knows about it. And for arbitrage sellers, they'll never need to know about it. But it's funny, nonetheless, the, the uh, Hallmark case in, in the Supreme Court you know, case law is actually Taco Bell. They sued Taco Cabana which is a Texas version of uh, Taco Bell, though I think much better. And they basically, uh, they both got into a lawsuit over who copied whose table 
design colors because they each use different tile on the, <laughs> the same tile on their table and wow. said that that was the hallmark of their store. So, huh. but okay, so that's trademark. Within copyright, we've got copyright on product, we've got copyright on product detail page. We then also have this other sort of weird copyright that very, very seldomly comes up, but it's copyright counterfeit. That has to do with media and books. So DVDs, CDs, and, and books, and other you know, printed stuff. And then within patents, uh, design and utility patents are the most common ones sellers would ever you know, inter- interact with. But again, typically only comes up for, uh, for private label sellers that have to worry about the patent cases. Gotcha. Well, that's fascinating to me. It just demonstrates the level of knowledge and experience that you've had, you know, four years doing this and helping Amazon sellers dig out of these little scary pits they find themselves in quite efficiently and with a high success rate. But I still, I, I mean, yeah, I just, I appreciate you being here and being a member of the community. And I think, you know, we could easily go much longer on this topic, but I think the main point of today's short episode is, hey, if, if you run into some IP complaints and you, you're having trouble navigating them on your own, Jump over to jeffschick.com. There's a link in the show notes. Hire a pro and sleep better at night knowing that you've got someone who understands this landscape and can help you continue to navigate Amazon legally without uh, losing any sleep. So appreciate you being here, man. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate for having me on. Thank you. Of course. Absolutely. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.